Dr. Mark Gordon is here. And if you guys are not aware of this guy's work, I'm telling you right now, he is one of the reasons that veterans and traumatic brain injury individuals who suffer from any sort of CTE or, or issues are thriving. You are thriving because of your willingness to step outside the box, have some hard conversations and do some really, really deep work. I'm really glad to have you here because I have known about you now since I want to say roughly 2015, 16, when my doctor, Dr. Uh, Greg Passy, he went down to one of your seminars and he said, Hey, Kelsey, I think there is somebody and some protocol that we need to start looking at for you. We'll send your blood work away. We'll do the whole thing. And we started having that conversation. That was my very first exposure to you. And then right almost after that, you went on to Joe Rogan and ad being an avid listener. I saw you on there and I'm like, okay, this guy has got a different way of looking at things with PTS, PTSD, brain trauma, CTE, inflammation. And I said, I got to talk to him at some point. And then we had a call with you, which I don't know if you remember with my husband mm -hmm. when he was struggling initially with his TBI a couple of years ago. And we were having the hard conversations about hormones and what needed to be done. And I didn't actually ever think I'd get a chance to have you on the show, but yet here you are. And I'm so yeah. grateful for that. <laughs> I like every opportunity to share in the science and the benefits that we've seen since uh, starting the TBI aspect in 20, uh, 2004 moving into the military in 2009, and then with uh, my business partner, uh, the Warrior Angel Foundation, Andrew Marr and Adam Marr, uh, having the ability to share this information with, uh, now we're at about 1,100 uh, military. Well, and that I say military, it's not just veterans. We've got some active, um, high-ranking active individuals that are in our program and attribute their uh, ability to climb up that ladder to how well they're doing and no longer with the stigmata and the mislabeling of PTSD, CTE, and all those other things, which is a whole new story. Well, I'm really glad that you bring that up. And maybe we'll just start there because that feels like a natural way to roll. I can't tell you how many people have been misdiagnosed that I know, including myself, with which was originally a PTSD severity level left country kind of diagnosis. And then only to come out, come to find out last year, I had, had gone misdiagnosed and undiagnosed traumatic brain injury since 2009. Mm -hmm. and when that happens, we are seeing so many other things happen prior to uh, brain treatment. The cart has been put the cart is being put before the horse in so many different aspects. The fact that 11 of the 13 markers look similar Canada is now attempting to call it operator syndrome and yes. utilize that tool um, for diagnoses and also for um, how they, they market you within their program. Meaning if they're going to give you a percentage or a disability claim, it's all going under operator syndrome now. Absolutely. Um, you know, with the labels, I'm against labeling people because once you label someone, they assume that persona that is associated with it. So instead of labeling someone as TBI, PTSD, uh, depressive, obsessive, compulsive, this, that, and the other, look at the uh, biochemistry, look at the causative, the causation for it. And generally speaking, the people who go on to be labeled as PTSD are people who have had traumatic brain injury. We just did a survey <clears throat> of our, our military population um, in January. And what we looked for are the differences in symptomatology and outcomes 
if they were labeled as TBI by the VA or if they were labeled as PTSD by the uh, VA. Turned out they all did equal. Mm. So it means that <clears throat> the terminology that's being used does not truly reflect the underlying cause. And what that underlying cause is are, are derived from traumas. And there are two forms of traumas. There's physical trauma where you get hit or assaulted or you car accident, motor vehicle accident. And then the non-traumatic ones are chronic stress as well as post-surgical or fracture of a bone or gut-related problems that lead to a change in the chemistry in the brain. How does that develop? Is because of a classification of inflammatory chemistry called cytokines that are produced in the brain and are also produced below the neck. And the ones below the neck get into the brain and create havoc in, in the brain. So what we found is that people who go on to be labeled as PTSD in our population, all of them had a TBI. Now, one of the things that the VA misses is they don't, or maybe they're starting to look at, is they haven't gone into the past of the individual prior to their enlistment. It's like uh, Andrew Marr uh, had, was playing football from very young all the way up to college. And he left college to join the army because of 9-11. And we surveyed all the people, MMA and football were the most common things that uh, created their trauma. So they were a setup for developing, uh, you know, TBI, what's labeled as TBI and PTSD. It's the old adage of uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. They just needed a ultimate event that pushed them over the edge. It's it's great that you bring that up because the people's past does often dictate their future when it comes to the physicality of their brain and their body and the willingness of the brain to continue working in the way that it should. That is something that we have been exploring lately on this show with individuals that are prior NFL athletes and with other professional athletes like my husband who are prone to head injuries or physical trauma. Mm -hmm. The the conversation has really started to pivot and change where people now over the past, I would say 10 years are starting to look very seriously at things like the mind body connection, the gut biome really, really, we now know reflects how the, the mental health state is going to be. And it, it's, it makes a lot of sense when you start to break it down and look at it from that standpoint. But so often we don't really look at, like you said, prior military history, whether somebody's played football in particular in America, I noticed quite a few of my friends um, had played football from a very, very young age. It seems America, that is the sport kids get into. But a lot of times children are, are playing contact sports well before the age of 12 and 13, where their neck has really kind of got that, you know, it can't even handle the helmet, let alone smashing that helmet into another body. So it makes sense that people are having significant issues. But the thing that I find fascinating, and I don't know if this is something that um, is an accurate number, so maybe you can help me with this, what we are seeing, at least with a lot of individuals, is uh, a concussions or traumatic brain injuries not showing up for about 10 to 15 years later. Hey, humans. This episode of the Brass and Unity podcast is sponsored by Cured Nutrition. I want to talk to you guys about sleep. We all know that sleep is one of the most important tools when getting your life together and optimizing your wellness and general well-being. Cured Sleep Bundle, which combines their best-selling Zen and most potent CBN, is the answer to guaranteeing that you'll get a full night of sleep every single night. Zen is a blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and full-spectrum cannabinoids. 
The CBN extract is a lesser known cannabinoid found in the hemp plant, but these supplements were designed to support the two most critical stages of your body's natural sleep cycle, REM sleep and non-REM, deep sleep. Cured's raw CBN oil contains 30 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of CBN. Together, the CBD and CBN create a synergistic whole body effect. When it kicks in, you'll notice every inch of your body soften into a deeper state of relaxation, as if you're laying beneath the comfort of a weighted blanket. Once you're asleep, Zen is there to ensure that your body is successfully cycling out of non-REM, deep sleep, into REM, and back again. Some people can't fall asleep, others can't stay asleep, and then those that just fall asleep stay asleep, but struggle to spend enough time in each sleep stage. No matter what is keeping you from your true rest and restoration, the sleep bundle is your solution. Think of it as the one-two punch for the body and brain reset. So I've been struggling with sleep for a little while now, dealing with TBI and other ailments, but I'm telling you right now, this stuff is legit. It gets me to sleep. It keeps me asleep, and I don't wake up feeling groggy. I don't have any of the side effects that any other type of medication or CBD product that sometimes happen. Um, I've also been able to focus a lot more on what my body needs because I'm able to get into a deeper sleep. This stuff is amazing, guys, and I want you to go give it a shot. Cured is giving all of our listeners 20% off. So you can go and grab it at curednutrition.com slash brass and check out. That's right, Cured Nutrition, C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com slash brass and get an extra 20% off. Improve your sleep. It'll improve your life. Well, great point. In fact, there is science that shows 17 years after uh, initial head trauma that you can still pick up the chemistry of inflammation. And they're called cytokines, specifically interleukin, interleukin-6, and tumor necrosis factor alpha. You can still pick them up. And what's even more impressive is the fact that if you start looking at all the psychiatric diagnoses from depression to bipolar to obsessive compulsion to PTSD to TBI, guess what is consistently found in each and every one of them? Interleukin-6, tumor necrosis factor alpha. And so we know there are markers that are already there, and I don't understand why the government keeps on spending tens of millions of dollars trying to find a biomarker that is so unique it's already there they're already there yeah you know you just have to say oh this is it let's use this or these are them as we used in our um in our biomarker panel for assessing our clients it's interesting because the body does keep the score but it also talks if you listen well enough and it can Correct. show you exactly what you need to be looking at all the way back to the the conversations that are being had around psychedelics and the healing in that and i know for you from what i'm being told very quietly is that there's some pretty cool things happening with you and one of my favorite organizations of all time and i love that because there is so much to be said about healing the brain and when they used to look at psychedelics. I know on a recent podcast, uh, I think it was um, Dublin was on with Rogan and he had that conversation about they used to utilize scans and say that's where the hole in the drugs are going to give you the hole in your brains, but they were not interpreting the data correctly. And obviously we understand back then there was an agenda and a motive to keep individuals away from psychedelics and that, that ability to think for themselves. That was shut down a long time ago, but we are seeing a huge change in the conversation happening around utilizing psychedelics for healing in a really uh, spiritual, but also physical way. And I would love to know if you're comfortable having any sort of conversation around what you're seeing with psychedelics. 
Uh, I'm comfortable because, uh, you know, um, Andrew Marr and the group with, um, um, let's see, with uh, Morgan Luttrell and with uh, Dr. Uh, Martin uh, Martin Polanco and with um, uh, past governor Rick Perry and a group of other people, they pushed through or got pushed through the Texas Senate, um, HB 1802, with heroic cards for Jesse Gould, as you know, and uh, they were able to get funding uh, for the university for Baylor Medical Center to do research. And I believe the woman in charge is uh, Lynette Avril, who's a PhD, who's at VA and uh, at the VA Center doing TBI and PTSD. And um, the psychedelics are, you know, in 1953, when the psilocybin was brought back from Mexico and found to be this incredible product. And then in 1971, it was put from unlabeled, unscheduled uh, to a schedule one, making it, you know, number one, it has no medicinal benefits. Number two, it's highly addictive. And that's what they said in 71. What was happening in 71 relative to our pharmaceutical world and the bringing in of antidepressants based upon serotonin uptake inhibitors? Wait a second. Is that a conflict of finance? <laughs> is that a conflict? I don't know. I try to stay out of that, those venues. But the bottom line is that even though it was put into a Schedule One prior to that date in 71, they found that it had incredible benefits for anxiety, depression, addiction to cigarettes and uh, alcohol, had wonderful benefits from it. And since the science of 71 until now, they found you know, how it functions, whether or not using uh, 5-hydroxy-DMT or this DMT or whatever, they stimulate uh, a receptor in the brain, the serotonin 2-alpha uh, receptors, where serotonin is with another receptor. And then the article that came out, I think it was about a year ago out of Europe, out of Britain, I believe it was, which basically showed that serotonin is inconsistent, that you can have low serotonin and not have depression. You can have high serotonin and you can have depression. So what did that tell us? It told us that this whole perception of depression around serotonin was no longer valid, that it was being challenged. And now you've got uh, psychedelics coming in and they act on a different receptor and you're seeing improvements. Now, in our population that have gone to have um, a treatment, a plant-based therapy using a psychedelic, uh, the responses have been impressive, absolutely impressive. Okay, so we're working with about eight uh, different organizations. Um, Millennium, uh, my corporation, Millennium, helps funding them on certain uh, aspects. One of the things that we were told is if their people are in our uh, program, one of our programs, uh, and then go have their psilocybin, their outcomes are are great. Okay, I won't say better because they haven't given me the st statistics. I've sent them. Uh, product so that they can go ahead and challenge it. But the premise is very simple, that if you have an inflamed brain, which happens after any one of the blast traumas or any kind of physical trauma, it generates these inflammatory chemistry chemicals, which interrupt the normal chemistry of the brain, which is inclusive of production of neurotransmitters, uh, having the receptors that the neurotransmitters connect to disrupted. 
So the uh, treatment protocols help to reestablish what we call a neuropermissive environment where the inflammation is brought down uh, closer to where it should be, which is low. So the benefit of um, psilocybin is they can work better because they have the chemistry. You know, it, if you don't have the right environment, it's not going to work. So well, it's like that with anything else. The correct. environment you go back into, the environment that you continue to expose yourself to, if you are a football player or a military member and you're constantly repeating the action of having a blast exposure, it's going mm -hmm. to continue to cause damage. Correct. And that is, you know, I have a slide in one of my presentations which shows a large dollar bill from the 1800s. They were much larger than our present ones and 10 dimes. And what I say is you can either have 10 small micro concussions that can equate to a whole, a large um, trauma. And one of the other fallacies, I believe, is that you need to have loss of consciousness. You mm. don't. The majority of our people have not had frank loss of consciousness. They haven't been knocked to their feet, their, to their knees. They haven't been knocked down. It's they get a little bit of, you know, a little bit of crash, a little bit of rattling of their cage, and that's all it is. And, you know, I shared with uh, uh, Rogan one time about the sea, uh, sea dews, I think is what they call it, you yes. know, those sea dews. And it's that constant hammering, which is equivalent to a person who's using a pneumatic jackhammer where it's mm -hmm. bum, 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 and that vibration up and down. And then in the gym, you see these plates which you stand on the vibration plates, I stay away from them because they create um, the right, they call it transduction, where the cells slam against each other and create inflammation. Mm. So it's understanding, I work at a molecular level, at the cellular level. So when I look at things, I look at it, okay. So on a cellular level, how is the functionality of a cell altered? How is the communication between cells altered through neurotransmitters, neuroreceptors, the means, you know, the phone and the line between the phone and the, you know, I'm old school. So I had the uh, regular phones at one point. Now I got this cell phone. I can't even remember where I put, you know, that's fine. So. I know. My God, I remember those phones. They were fantastic. It was life was a little bit easier. No one could get a hold of you if you truly wanted it. Right. Absolutely. Talk so to leave. me. Yeah, go Sorry. ahead. I was going to say, talk to me uh, a little bit about the neural restorative work along the lines of psychedelics, because I know there is uh, an upregulation that happens during psychedelics and afterwards it can leave individuals with, you know, a, a serious uh, depletion of dopamine and serotonin. And we know that there have been some tragic situations afterwards. And that is a lack of integration. In my opinion, um, there right. is a lack of uh, responsibility when an individual goes through uh, a treatment along those lines, there needs to be a conversation about pre and post integration. That is not, it's, it's happening with certain organizations and less with others. There's more onus on some where they don't even allow you to go to the jungle or do the treatment. If you have not followed through on your commitments that you said that you would make. Um, and very often, a lot of people, it, it does feel like they try to skate over that because that is the difficult work. The integration is the part that is the nasty dig in deep, find out what you're trying to achieve. And then afterwards, resettling into what the new reality is. And that can shake someone physically as well as psychologically. Right. And having um, looked at some of the protocols from the um, 
clinics that use psychedelics. Uh, they talk about spirituality. They talk about, you know, um, why they want to go through uh, a session. What's the outcome of it? And what I found is that, you know, I like removing a lot of the layers that are there and coming down. As I said, I work on a molecular basis. All these things for me are biochemical in the mm -hmm. sense that there's a disruption in the chemistry. And therefore, you need to look at it. What you said about dopamine, serotonin, um, in neuroinflammation, these all have to be looked at because they influence your outcome, as I said earlier, of being on uh, a specific uh, psychedelic. Uh, with that being said, there was a case of a gal who had um, manic depression, and she received 1,100 micrograms of one particular product, which was about three times what they normally would have started with. And she went into a toxic state, was hospitalized. When she woke up on the other side, her manic depression was gone. Mm. So they talk about a reset of the chemistry in the brain. And that might be what happens with the hyperdrive or the overstimulation of the two alpha serotonin receptors. Maybe that's a unique aspect to it as well as there might be other receptors that we still haven't isolated or the combination of receptors that we haven't uh, identified that lead to this sudden change in their personality. And what to do with that, I mean, everybody that I've spoken with from our practice who has gone out to either Jamaica or Mexico or wherever it was, that they had a, a lifting of the weights on their shoulders. They did not feel as oppressed or suppressed. Their mind was more active. They were able to uh, interact at a different level of consciousness. Um, they slept better. Uh, their dealing with adverse situations became easier. So call it a reset, call it what you will. But um, you know the outcomes, I haven't heard of an adverse one, this gal with 1100 micrograms was initially an adverse effect, but look at the outcome. Right. Yeah. You know? it doesn't, it's not an easy path. People, no. I think I love the, when people say, well, cause I have a, a particular client I'm working with right now. And it, it, the conversation with the family is very simple. Once you're, they have this belief because 12 step have always told them once you're an addict, you are always an addict. And that is the worst conversation, the worst self-talk, the worst rhetoric you could tell anybody because that holds them into a box where they can never truly let go of that past self and able to dive into themselves and move forward. Right. And it was met actually with an individual in the group saying, well, I am an addict. I use the steps. I believe in God. And it's the only reason I don't drink every day. And then my coach <clears throat> responded with, if you continue down that path, you're always going to feel that anchor. You're always going to place yourself in these boxes. And I guess where I'm trying to get to is the idea that you can become addicted to psychedelics. Talk to me about that because there is this mis, this, this conception that you have to, if you use a drug like this, of course, you're going to become addicted. It's just as hard as heroin. It's just as gnarly as cocaine. It's nothing like that at all. No, not at all. Um, I haven't met anyone to this point except one individual who microdoses two or three times a week. And what he finds is that he's, you know, he's better. He feels better after in between his microdosings. 
and he might be someone that needs to have a, a large dose to get him over the you know over the hump that he hasn't reached his threshold hasn't been attained so you know addiction i haven't seen it i mean that's what they talked about in 1971 as an excuse for putting it in schedule one but i haven't seen it i haven't heard it and right. you know i have people close to me who have used lsd multiple times they don't need it anymore right it was a during a time frame that they needed it to achieve their goal hmm. and once they achieved their goal they looked back and said hey it did its job. It got me to a point in life where I realized I no longer need it. Hey humans, I know you've all been seeing me drink HVMN's Ketone IQ lately. This is a game changer. Jet fuel in a bottle. I use Ketone IQ for everything in my life, whether it's running, cycling, podcasting, or just the extra boost that my brain needs. I won't lie, it helps push me to the next level in all things. I love Ketone IQ and what HVMN stands for. Go grab some shots today at hvmn.com and use the code BRASS20 and save. So right? it's, it's a tool it, in the toolbox. It's a tool in the toolbox. And I think that's part of the reason why it's so important as we're learning about the application of psychedelics that we do have guides and coaches and people who can uh, support and protect the individual from feeling that this is the only way that I can feel good. You know, so I think at this stage in our progression towards knowledge about how best to utilize this new tool in the toolbox or my medical bag, you know, this is important right now. But understanding the biochemistry, the fact that we all have a unique threshold, that means that 300 mics for 100, one person, 200 for another, 150, 500, 1,000, 1,100, we need to find out what it is. And I don't think there is a preset calculation okay and that's what i see they're using preset calculations as a starting point i got that mm -hmm. but they need to be able to feel comfortable in going up as well as going down on dosing until they achieve the outcome a person who experiences a psilocybin ibogaine or ayahuasca event and says oh that was good i'd like to do it again what they really are saying is maybe they haven't achieved the level they needed to be over to the other side, mm. to pass from the side of, I need something to help me, and then they pass to the other side. Another aspect, another issue is how incredible our brain is in telling us it needs something. It needs something. The guys who go out after heroin, the guys who go out of methamphetamine, the guys who go after um, cocaine or whatever the drug, alcohol, it's because the brain is suffering from some imbalance and says, oh, try this product and see if it'll help fix you, okay? Early in my career, the guys that were, you know, with what they called ADD mm -hmm. uh, or ADHD, you know, they were so hyper, they'd use alcohol and downers, you know, red, what they call tuanols, red devils, and all these cecosbarbital and amabarbital and whatever, and it would make them worse. And then they said, okay, let's snort some Coke and see if that helps. And boom, they're calm as can be, paradoxical response. So the brain is help, trying to find something. And psilocybin seems, or psychedelics seem to be another means of trying to fix it. But you have to get 
away from the uh, the suboptimal dosing. You have to find the optimal dosing to allow for recovery or the beginning of recovery. I noticed at least, and I'm speaking about my personal experience because I would rather it's then no one can say anything towards it. But my personal experience utilizing, uh, so we utilize pharmaceutical meds from 2009 to 2019. And for me, the significant amount of long-term damage that SSRIs have done to my body over the past 20 years, the conversation I found out recently when I was on Cleared Hot last week, the amount of individuals reached out and go, I did not know that SSRIs can have that many effects on the body long-term. Most people, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last stat I heard was that once you're put on an SSRI, about 25% of people are the only amount that get taken off of it. The rest of individuals stay on that SSRI. I have the, I'll put it in the show notes where I got that, that data point from. But when, when being prescribed, very often people stay on an SSRI a lot longer than they were initially planned to be on that. Well, if you look at the PDR, which is the physician's desk reference, almost every single SSRI says what? It says for short-term use to address the acuity of depression. It doesn't say for life. And when I talk to psychiatrists, because we have patients who come in on 13, 9, 7, 6 pharmaceuticals, and you know they start feeling good and they say, oh, should I get off these medications? I say, I don't tell you to get off the medications. What I do direct you to do is to go back to the doc who you who prescribed the medications for you. So it, one of the cases that I had, uh, her name was Mona. She was on a multitude of medications. And when she was doing well after two months, I sent her back to her psychiatrist to start taking off drugs. She calls me and says, I went to the psych. She won't take me off the drugs. She said, I put you on antidepressants. I don't take you off of them. It's and it's because of a very straightforward issue. What happens if I, as a physician, put a patient on an antidepressant, they do well, and then I take them off of it, and they commit suicide? Okay, so it's a CYA scenario, okay? As opposed to, let's slowly take you off and see how you respond. But a lot of docs, you know, unless you go to a neuropsychopharmacologist, very few and far between who specialize in doing this, they will slowly take you off because SSRIs have a long-term negative effect on the system. As you said, as you experience, as I see in our population, you have to be slower in getting them off. But one of the ways that you can accelerate uh, getting them off or to take them off uh, appropriately is by fixing the underlying biochemical abnormalities that have not specifically occurred from the SSRIs, but were the original causative factors for them developing depression, anxiety, bipolar, obsessive, compulsive, schizophrenia, what have you, okay? So by fixing that, and how do you fix it? How do we fix that? What we do is we correct the unique chemistry of the brain, the neurosteroids in the brain, and we drop the inflammation, okay? Mm -hmm. And we have uh, a, a panel, a biomarker panel, which goes through 28 markers that are commonly available at any, at any uh, laboratory. You just need to know how to look at them and how to interpret it. And unfortunately, majority of, inclusive of myself originally, how we were trained to interpret laboratory 
results were line by line, never looking at the interaction effects, mm -hmm. as well as how do certain medications influence our hormonal testing results? Well, that's, nutrient, yeah. Yeah, well, that's really fascinating too. That's a topic that we've been, I've been discussing, uh, going through the TBI process myself. I did treatment down at the Resiliency Brain Health Center with Doc, uh, Dr. Charlene Gaudet and Michelle Eisenman, Doc Eisenman, sorry about that. Um, and, uh, I went through Defenders of Freedom and I was their first female combat veteran they had treated. So it was an all new ball game with dealing with POTS and dysautonomia and all of these other types of inflammatory markers and hormones. Uh, a lot of females are not having these conversations about SSRIs where it's not only do you feel numb and flatlined, you don't feel anything good. You don't have a sex drive. The struggle with those things are not being had because one, people don't realize that that's causing the issue people don't understand that that is um or maybe are unwilling or shy or uncomfortable having that conversation with their doctor because i can remember several times dr passy would sit with me because he's been treating me since 2011 so mm. old man knows me well and he goes how's your sex drive and i remember i used to look at him and be like fine why would you ask that but I was never being honest because mm -hmm. I didn't understand that in my 20s, I was supposed to feel one type of way versus the way I was actually feeling because I'd been put on the medication since I'd been so young. And our veteran over the past GWAT generation were 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds. These are all children that are mm -hmm. being put on heavy, heavy psychotics and medications to change their neural makeup when their brains aren't even developed on their own. And yeah. so I do, I'm not sure how uh, we... We get past that because SSRIs can be utilized as a tool, but like you said, so often, so many doctors give it to you without understanding what had caused the issue in the first place. So how do we fix this? Correct. Well, what our recommendation has always been is you need to do a, the comprehensive biochemical workup, and that will give you a causative factor for why someone might have the outward um, appearance of one of these psychiatrically labeled uh, conditions. An issue with uh, most of the SSRIs is that it does alter uh, libido. It does alter uh, the ability to attain orgasm. Uh, it becomes very frustrating, um, you know, lethargy, sleepiness, fatigue, uh, all the side effects that are uh, listed in the physician desk reference uh, can and do occur. If you look at the, I uh, just looked at some recent statistics where the failure rate of uh, antidepressants is about 60%. Woo! Okay, so I just presented it um, to a lecture I did the other day to Walter Reed, uh, functional medicine department. Uh, in fact, it was yesterday. It seems a long time ago. <laughs> or Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Yeah. Today's Thursday. Anyway, the days are getting uh, melted together. So the, you know, nothing is for free. If you take something into your body, you're only looking at the positive anticipated outcomes, but you need to look at all the detrimental side effects that possibly could occur. And if you don't look at them, what will happen is uh, you'll hit a wall and you say, oh, it must be my underlying issue and it could be the medication in and of itself right talk to me about well this one's a big one there's a lot that's going on with sleep sleep is the number one most important tool in your toolbox 
But the other thing I learned recently was how many individuals have sleep apnea due to the way that their bodies are formed and their ability to actually get enough air in so that their brains are resetting and resting in deep sleep and REM. So talk to me about the importance of sleep. Uh, sleep in our listing is number one. It's the most important. And interesting issue about sleep apnea in our veteran community, it's interesting that 100% of those who have a sleep apnea or sleep study end up with a CPAP. I'm going, whoa. 100%, everyone who goes for a sleep test ends up with a CPAP machine. So I asked the question, what's the mouth and the uh, face? Is it an elephant? Is it a giraffe? Is it nasal cannula? To see what they're distributing, what they're trying to move. But sleep is extremely important, especially when you break out the 90-minute the cycle and what's in that 90-minute cycle with the REM sleep and the deep sleep for recovery, the dream state and so forth, and then superficial. We've, we've found that there is one neurosteroid, which has been our game changer, which is called pregnenolone. Mm. Pregnenolone becomes progesterone and another thing called pregnenodiol. And then progesterone becomes another hormone called allopregnanolone. Now, allopregnanolone came out as a pharmaceutical drug about five years ago, called Zeroso, also called Brexanolone. And why is it so important? It's because it helps to regulate GABA, GABA aminobutyric acid, which is what keeps us nice and calm. Now, I had a uh, Marine come into the office and I asked a very specific set of sleep questions. So, how many hours are you in bed? not sleeping, but how many hours did you in bed? He said 13. I said, damn, that's a long time. You must wake up in the morning feeling phenomenal. He says, on the contrary, he wakes up in the morning feeling like he never put his head on the pillow. And his level of pregnenolone was zero. Ooh. It was zero. Now, five or less is you have none. That's as low as the equipment can go. And we need it between 80 and 100 on our laboratory. And so in the 75th to 100% of the range for any particular laboratory. And what it also does is it helps repair neurons. It helps drop inflammation. Um, as I said, it's GABA, which is a natural value of the brain that helps you relax. Mm -hmm. So once we get them onto the pregnenolone taken 15 to 30 minutes after dinner, what happens is they sleep better and they wake up feeling more refreshed because they've gotten their sleep cycle back, which is pregnenolone helps quite a bit and the other hormones that are generated from the pregnenolone. So sleep is incredibly important and we monitor the quality of sleep from every one of our vets and our civilians on a monthly basis to make sure they're getting into, you know, prior to they said, oh, I'm in bed, uh, six hours and I sleep two hours and I wake up feeling poor in the morning. And then we have them explain what poor means for them. Lack of, you know, lack of mental energy, lack of physical energy. And then when they're on their treatment protocol and we drop their inflammation, if you go to Google Scholar and you put in inflammation plus insomnia, you'll see 58,000 articles talking about this specific relationship. Okay. 
If you go to Google Scholar and you put vitamin D and insomnia, I'm going to go there because I don't remember right off the top. You can't see my screen, but you go to Google Scholar and put in vitamin D plus insomnia. And you get 70,700 articles talking about the relationship. Now, you can go through every one of the key hormones in our body and put that relationship in. There's a chemical that's generated in the brain, which is called peroxynitrite. It was a key portion of the lecture I did um, on Tuesday. And peroxynitrite is generated in the brain when there's inflammation. What does it do? It creates inflammation, turns on turns on uh, channels, turns on switches, circuitry. You can't sleep and you've got increased pain. You've got greater migraines. You've got greater risk of developing uh, seizure. Mm. Okay, so we've been able to help uh, patients with migraines and seizures through addressing the inflammation and, and this chemical called peroxynitrite. So the benefit of of addressing the deficiencies and the excessive amount of inflammation leads to improved sleep. Now, I've, I had uh, six head traumas and what led me to where I'm at today is I was on antidepressants in the, in the 90s, Paxil being the one, uh, because of uh, new onset depression when I was in my late 40s. And what happened was I'm a reader. So my escape was reading. So I read and found out, wait a second, these hormones might be influenced. So I went and had my hormones done and I was deficient in thyroid, testosterone and growth hormone. Within Whoa. 90 days of getting put onto those hormones, my world turned around. And 95 until 2007, I was working with NFL. So I did two ESPN outside the lines talking about traumatic brain injury, weight and function and this, that and the other. And so it was very, it was visceral to me. This is all visceral because I've, just as it is for you, you know, you've experienced it and you know exactly what it feels like to be in it. You're not talking third person, you're first person. So when you're telling someone, this is what happened to me, and now you know it's happened to a lot of other vets and it's continuing to happen in other vets. So anyway, the, Improvement in sleep by fixing the neurosteroids and dropping the inflammation is incredible. I sleep five to six hours uh, a night. And it's solid, it's solid, deep, solid. very restorative sleep. Right. I bought a piece of equipment which measures my brain waves mm -hmm. and it showed me my deep sleep, how long I'm in deep sleep, REM sleep, and subconscious sleep, and then how I drop. Now, the funny thing is the machine taught me, I thought I was um, taking an hour or longer to fall asleep. The machine showed me <clears throat> in three minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was gone. I was out. And that is because when you're in this subconscious sleep, time dilation, time mm. distortion, you know, so I would not be able to sleep because I'd always be worrying about, I'm not sleeping, right. but you're just getting ready to sleep. Yeah. So- the machine taught me, and it also taught me that if I go to bed at 10 o'clock, I've got better deep sleep than going to bed at 11 o'clock. When I drink alcohol, I find that my sleep is horrible. And alcohol kills growth hormone as well. 
So that's one of the main reasons why we recommend to our clientele uh, to minimize alcohol consumption so that it doesn't disrupt the brain's ability to make testosterone. And another thing for those listening who might be using Arimidex to control estrogen levels uh, when they're on testosterone replacement therapy is that Arimidex uh, aromatase inhibitors will block the brain's ability to make growth hormone. Really? Yes. And also the aromatase inhibitor and growth hormone in the liver turns on IGF-1, which is the active hormone, it shuts it down. So Arimidex, and I've never used it. I take everybody off of it because it poisons eight systems in the body. So one of the questions I ask is, uh, why do you need Arimidex? They said, oh, that's because my testosterone converts to testosterone. I said, what's your dosing of testosterone? They say 200 milligrams. I said, that's the problem. Yeah. Overdosing, the body makes in a male, makes from four to 10 milligrams per day, which is 28 to 70 milligrams per week. Why are you giving them 200? Right, that's so high. And a woman makes, you know, 0.7 to 1.2, 1.3, depending upon whose article. And women do phenomenally well on 10 to 20 milligrams a week. Right phenomenally well on low dose. And then you can use things like e-clomiphene or clomiphene uh, citrate to help stimulate your own body's production, mm -hmm. which there, right now is extremely important. There, that, I'm glad that you brought that up. That's funny because my husband's actually went through that. We, we check our blood, he checks his hormones uh, because he's on testosterone for brain. Um, he's on a, like a very, like, it's so funny. He takes it. He's like, I don't even know if a needle moved. It's so yeah. minor. We finally got to that point, but it on the last blood result, it was turning it into estrogen a bit. And so we, now we're working with a naturopath that kind of makes so that that doesn't happen, not another pharmaceutical intervention, but more of a, how do we translate this so that it does what the body needs to be doing. And it's, uh, it's wild because there's amount of people, the amount of people that are put on testosterone that don't know how to manage it properly. And not only that, do not do the back end work where they go and get it checked every month for blood work. And then every three months to make sure that it's balancing well with everything else. It's astronomical. Yeah, correct. Um, my perception is that most of the physicians who are dispensing are trying to make every male patient into a bodybuilder. <laughs> because if you look at their dosing that they're using, it's not based upon physiological. Okay, right. now I have basically backed away from the use of injectable testosterone. And the reason is because of the literature showed that when you have inflammation, male or female, when you have inflammation from a TBI or from a trauma, neurotrauma, what happens is it shuts off a hormone in the brain called gonadotropic releasing hormone, which is from an area called the hypothalamus that sits over the pituitary gland and regulates it. So if you're not making this signal to the pituitary to produce follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH and LH, luteinizing hormone that creates the testosterone in both males and females, and the follicle-stimulating in a female into the graphene uh, into eggs and the sperm in males, what happens is it doesn't happen. So when you have inflammation, that occurs. So what we've done, fix the inflammation, and they restart their own production of testosterone. That's number right. one. Number two is in uh, a lot of the guys that we were seeing, they would have a pattern that would suggest that the gonads were non-functional. 
Well, in 2018, an article came out of all places, Denmark, talking about if you have ever been on ibuprofen, it desensitizes the receptors, the luteinizing hormone receptors in the cells called Leydig cells, so you cannot make testosterone. Or ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. And what are the guys? I'm a civilian, so that you know. I'm a civilian, so the guys would tell me, oh, you mean the pain candy or the Skittles, you know? Yeah. I'm saying, what? They said, we call it pain because they put us on it, you know, six months on ibuprofen, 600 milligrams, 800 milligrams, three times a day. Yeah. And I said, wow. So what we have is a protocol where we, we're calling it breaking through the barrier, where we stimulate the body to come back to making, being sensitive to the luteinizing hormone. Mm. So now it helps them. Now to bring in a very current issue is what we found is that the spike protein, whether mm. or not it's from active illness or anything else, mm -hmm. the spike protein inhibits the communication between the gonadotropic releasing hormone and the pituitary gland. So it is creating not only low testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, pregnenolone production, but it's also inhibiting follicle-stimulating hormone, so fertility is at risk. So both psychiatric, because of the benefits of all these hormones on your body, and fertility is influenced. And so I've got a compendium of these articles that started 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, I think it was 2000 with the SARS-1 with the mm. swine flu, started research then, but a lot of the stuff in the past two years, the majority of the bulk. And Shocking. there there are, what, 12,000 articles that I'm working on right now? Let's see, how many articles? It's uh, infertility, infertility and spike protein. Uh, 20,300. Okay, 20,300 articles, all in the last two years. If you go to if you go to Google Scholar and put in your search, you just separate it what they call Boolean logic. You put a plus sign. So you can say infertility plus testosterone, infertility plus spike protein. And you put quote marks around the spike protein so it looks at it as a block of search term, a blocked search term. So... Um, there's a, a video that I did. I have a new series called the one minute lecture. They're really longer than one minute because I can't talk for less than a minute that I'm finding. <laughs> so okay. the, these, these, uh, and I'll send you a copy of it. It, it can't do. be released yet, um, which is about fertility, estrogen, progesterone, and the spike protein. So, okay. yeah. So we're expecting to see, and we've already heard, there are a lot of cases of uh, hormonal deficiency as well as um, infertility occurring. That's really fascinating. Lot. The amount of people I know <clears throat> that have over the past couple of years utilized the tools at their disposal yeah. um, to protect themselves and the amount of individuals I know that are struggling to get pregnant yep. is so high. Yep. And, and, and I try and sit there and have these conversations with people because obviously I don't know the data. So I just go, well, let's start, let's start looking at your blood work. 
let's start looking at your stress levels. Let's start looking at your outside um, influences. And we start there and then we guide, we don't have to say much. We just guide them down the path where the biomarkers will say it all for you so that you're no longer the person who's trying to be this conspiratorial, crazy lunatic. My question to you is if we've known now, oh, you can put that on my show. It's fine. Oh, um, is my, it? Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you guys I just seen, don't want people to think I'm giving them the bird for them. It's, <laughs> You know, maybe, maybe they need the bird to be given to them. If you're not seeing, Dr. Mark Gordon has a great mug and on the very bottom of it, as he lifts it to drink, it's his hand giving someone the finger and it's my favorite and I need one. So someone And it that. says, world's greatest boss Obviously. from my office manager to me. Obviously, you need yeah. something like that in your life. I need one of those. But that's yeah. the thing is the amount of people that are struggling, um, it feels like as of late. So tell, explain to me this. We've had these studies going back 10 years where we have known about because of swine flu, we've understood a little bit about spike proteins, infertility, and the issues that can come with those with constant exposure. Now, why in God's name would that be one of the main ingredients and products that's then put into a mass market? Um, why? Why? We've known this. Well, so why? It, yeah, it's it's part of the viral hmm. structure. And it's the spike protein, which is the key to open up its entrance into the cell through what they call the ACE2 receptor. So I wrote a couple of papers in 2020 uh, about this also in May of 2020 to anticipate what they're now calling long COVID. Because mm. for me, this is an inflammatory process. Right. Okay. That's all it is, is an inflammatory process. The immune system gets triggered and creates this overwhelming inflammatory uh, scenario. And that's why certain people are developing autoimmune illnesses is right. because of this chronicity. Uh, there are things that can help stabilize the immune system. If you look at vitamin D and COVID, there are 80 some odd thousand articles about the, the benefit of vitamin D and autoimmune diseases in gut related autoimmune diseases, Crohn's and, and uh, irritable uh, inflammatory bowel uh, syndrome. Um, so it's just part of the structure and that's what they were trying to simulate is the structure so that it would go in and create an, a response. That, but it's not traditional. You know, in my youth, I was uh, working in immunology in UCLA Cedars-Sinai and uh, in cancer research at uh, Cedars-Sinai. That's where I got uh, my, started my advanced immunology. And it makes no sense why you would take the natural way that we've always made vaccines and make this new kind of vaccine or this new type of approach right. with the mRNA. I, I don't understand it, you know, but it's not my venue. It's not my forte. No, for you sure. know, what it is, is how to address the inflammation that is created by it, how to help dissolve uh, the spike protein with netokinase, which is a natural product, um, fermented product from uh, Japan, a couple other ways to help uh, diminish symptoms relative to, uh, to, the inflammatory process that's initiated by or aggravated, initiated by the um, spike proteins. That's something that I am looking at because of a group of us. 
So there are ways to then bring down the spike proteins and bring down yes. the inflammation in the body and the brain. Right. You can look up netokinase. N, uh, was it N-A-T-T-O-K-I-N-A-S-E. A-S-E means enzyme. So in any protein that has an A-S-E, A-S-E, it means enzyme. So it's a specific enzyme that seems to drop the spike protein, dissolves it. It's, it's wild to me because over that period of time where we knew individuals, I personally knew individuals who opted to get that choice done to them, they were already individuals that suffered from high inflammation, whether it was due to diet, diabetes, um, uh, alcohol, because we understand, you know, wheat in the body is a super inflammatory for a lot of individuals. Yep. Um, and so I've seen just the constant struggle and the drop off of, of perfect, perfectly healthy. I'm doing bunny ears, you know, standard amount of health uh, for what seems like most people. I've just seen them drop off health wise in terms of their uh, inflammation, in terms of their constant, constant getting sick anywhere they go, anything they do, they're sleeping, they're changing up their blood, their habits by, you know, adding vitamin D, looking at their B12, looking at um, their A1C, looking at all their biomarkers, but still somehow some of these people are just not finding their way out of this. But I'm, I'm encouraged to find out that there's other solutions that are natural that can actually not reverse, but take down these inflammatory markers called spike proteins that can move themselves forward. Cause that's really right. concerning to me. That's really yeah. anything that affects infertility from a global scale, anything that in fact uh, affects inflammation in people's bodies, which due to the fifties and sixties and the seventies and the influx of processed dyed foods that people are ingesting at the pace in which they are, people are already severely inflamed. Yes. Yes. And I think if you look at the statistics, <clears throat> we see this trend line of increase in these autoimmune inflammatory based, uh, uh, conditions, Crohn's disease, mm -hmm. you know, colitis, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, dysbiosis. Uh, you know, I have three daughters, two of them are docs. That's and right. uh, Allison, who's a naturopath who works with me, takes care of all our vets with their gut related problems. Um, some of them secondary to spike protein, because now what we see is that the spike protein specifically interrupts the gut's um, bacteria biome and the one that deals with the uh, bifidus, which deals with the um, immune system. So we're seeing people going into leaky gut syndrome, mm. developing autoimmune or food uh, allergies. Allergies are going up. And that's what uh, Allison takes care of uh, along with, uh, she takes care of all our civilian population in addition. So she's taught me a lot. I love that you slid right into that, that you're, that's my next talking point with you is your daughters, because yeah. your, your daughters are a huge part of your life. Your family is a massive, massive part of your life. And I've been so fortunate to cultivate uh, a relationship with you and, and get awesome, awesome photos and great things being sent to me. And what right. I really love so much is you're setting your daughters up in a way to carry on this work. Whenever you decide you don't feel like doing this work anymore, which I can't picture in my mind you really stopping until your body says we're stopping there's too much work to be done too many people to be helped and people to be saved from themselves Correct. talk to me about the plan with the daughters talk to me about how they're stepping into this role and really bringing on the research forward well um as i said three daughters one's in jewelry the other one is uh erin my eldest is a, a hospitalist 
internal medicine, who's now segued into aesthetic medicine. Okay. Mm. That's what she likes. Uh, <laughs> what the, she dis likes. the disappointment on your face when you said that. Well, I, I she's enjoying what she's doing. God bless her. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, to have at least a finger on the pulse of what her sister Allison is doing. Allison, naturopath, she did uh, honors at uh, UCSD in uh, nutritional medicine with um, emphasis on um, food technology. Mm -hmm. So she's really heavily into, you know, all these things about what not to eat, what to eat. And she's been through all of them. You know, she pulled my glutens out of the house. So <laughs> I've got gluten-free waffles, you know, I'll have one or two a week, you know, and she brings me brownies that are gluten-free and she brought me a really good, um, what was it? It was a muffin. It was a cinnamon muffin that was gluten-free, almost identical to the real thing. But anyway, Allison, um, you know, it, she learned uh, the science behind what we're doing. She's taking actually uh, my new lecture series right now to update her knowledge. Uh, she's got three, 350, 400 patients that she takes care of from sports world, professional sports world, from the entertainment world, and from uh, car accidents and so forth. And, you know, she's doing extremely well, you know, after 18 months of being face-to-face -face with me. And then we have a, a project, a program, where my company will pay for her services with all our vets. You know, I'm self-funding. Um and we've helped support over a thousand veterans getting into our program for three years. It was fully funded and then we ran out of money. And so I developed products that are doing very well that uh, treat the brain. So we've got, you know, 8,000 people every month who are getting, you know, personal, their treatment directly from our store online. And those funds are used to help get our people, uh, get our veterans in both Marines, I mean, active and uh, non-active. Then Allison, you know, will run this really intense. She ran it on me and found two parasites. And I wasn't <laughs> feeling bad. I wasn't right? feeling bad. I said, Who's, whose sample was it? It was stool sample. Whose stool sample was that? She said, it was yours. I said, I feel great. She says, yeah, but you got blah, 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 blah. And when I took a treatment, I felt even better. Really? Yeah. Can you so, talk to me about parasites and things that sit uh, dormant? Because there is stuff going on in people's bodies that they don't know yeah. how to check. They don't know where to go to look for, and they don't know how to fix it. Right. Um, there's a blood test, mm. uh, which is called a CBC, which is a complete blood count. And as long as your doctor orders what they call a with differential, what it means is they'll look at the different types of white blood cells in your blood. And if they come across one of the cells called an eosinophil, and if it's elevated and you ask the person if they have allergies and they say no, it's probably a parasite. I had a, a, a spook in the, in the practice. He was ex-Special Forces, went into CIA, checking out drug trafficking in a country I don't know which one, a country where there was a lot of bush and he was in the <laughs> bush eating a lot of shit in there and doing his stuff. And he came in and we ran his blood and his eosinophils, which should be zero to eight, his were 12 or 14. And I, and I said to him, so when were you going to tell me about your allergies? He said, what allergies? 
I said, you have no allergies. He said, I have no allergies because allergies will cause this eosinophil to go up too. Really? Yeah, that's how it's usually used. So what happened was I said, so tell me, where have you traveled? He said, well, I can't tell you all the places you travel. I said, okay, don't tell me where you were, but tell me, was it rural? Was it, you know, yeah. Selva? Was it out in the boonies? He said it was out in the boonies where, you know, he was a lone person dropped in and blah, blah, blah. And so I said, fine. So I sent him to my daughter and she found the Diphilobothrium latum or the Enterobius vermicularis or whatever the bug was, got treated and his level dropped. Okay. Wow. So eosinophils can cause you to have um, allergy behavior. I don't know if you know people who have allergies where they're always irritable, they're not sleeping well, they're always yes. snorting their nose and so forth. Well, that's from the histamine, okay? <laughs> so from high histamines. So if you've got a gut-related problem, and you can have it from uh, also occur from a glutens. Mm -hmm. Now, my daughter, Allison, was tested she has no gluten antibodies but she's got a sensitivity interesting so she has the symptoms without the findings so if she takes well not everyone generates the antibodies okay okay and uh i'm not sure if she had her complete uh genome looked at okay if you look at the genome you can see if you're prone to it or not but you know, the issue with genetics is that you might have the gene for uh, toenail cancer and never develop it because yeah. you haven't turned the operon, the operation of the on, the switch on, okay? Yeah. And that's where a lot of our uh, nutraceuticals help to protect us by taking in antioxidants and taking in things to cleanse our body, curcumin and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. and doing a liver detox and doing all the things she does, you know, and she pop, it's time for your liver detox. Take this, you know, well, I said, how am I going to drink my scotch if I have to detox, you know? Well, then we limit the scotch and we do it intermittently so that your body gets breaks. I don't yeah, I'm down, down to one day a week. Okay. You know what? That's fantastic. I try to have that conversation with people. So many people are like, well, I, I do this and I do this. And these are things that I really like to do. I like to have a whiskey. I like to have a scotch. I like to have a this, not all the time, but I like to have it. And yeah. I say, well, you can still have it. It's when you are starting to have it every day or every other day, or even every second day, we need to start looking at how your, how your brain and body are really working. And right. if you're putting something into your gut, it is going to make such a significant impact on your brain. And people need to understand that. It's like, what's that upwards of like 80 some odd percent of the way that your brain works is dictated based off of your gut. It's like, yeah. okay, well, stop putting shitty things in your mouth. Stop right. it. Have some discipline. Put it down. You don't need to go to McDonald's six days a week. Go to McDonald's once every two months. It's not, <laughs> you don't have to stop everything you're doing, but it's in moderation and how you're right. doing it. Exactly. Absolutely. And, you know, alcohol and aspirin are the only two substances that pass right through the brush, the border, the lining of the gut. And when it does that, it induces inflammation. Number aspirin. one, aspirin. Okay. So talk to me about aspirin then, because hasn't the, the conversation always been, you take two baby aspirin a day, it keeps the heart attack yeah. away. I'm just talking about when it passes through the gut. Mm, it okay. passes through the gut readily and creates irritation in that. That's why 
you taking aspirin or ibuprofen can lead to gastritis, <sighs> ulcer, for a reason. Okay, so taking a 82 milligram heart smart aspirin is more than likely not going to create a problem. Okay, because they're buffered, they're mm. enteric-coated. But the cheap form of aspirin, you know, the one that you smell and it smells like uh, vinegar, which tells us that it's oxidized and it's no good. Uh, that's how you know. And also with um, omega-3s, with fish oil, when it smells like fish, it's no good. It's oxidized. That's why you should leave it in the freezer. Okay. And take it out and, and uh, consume it then. So freezer, not fridge. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's, no, that's new to me. I, I've I've uh, had a few people having conversations about fish oil and obviously the omegas and the importance with the brain health and how much it can make a difference. But oh, then yeah. on the other hand, I've had conversations with people like Paul DeGelder, who's the host of Shark Week and an advocate, and he talks and knows most of these companies. And by the time, if it's not a well-known product, by the time that product even gets to you and on that shelf, that thing is gone bad. Right. Rancid is what the term you Rancid. probably use. Correct. Rancid. Yeah. Yes. Right? <laughs> Rancid. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you have to be careful with the quality of uh, vitamins. We use a company which uh, I've used now for maybe uh, 20 years, which is very high end. It was originally a Canadian company. Okay. Mm. Now it's uh, in Massachusetts, <clears throat> but it's very high quality, no incipients, no junk being put into it. And they monitor their products quite closely. And for... which, uh, which company is that? Pure. Pure. Yeah. From okay. Sudsbury, Massachusetts. I love how it used to be Canadian and then they decided communism wasn't for them anymore. That's fantastic. Uh, who was it? Um, General Foods? One of the big companies bought them mm. for like $1.8 billion or I think it was, or $3 billion. It was someplace around there. Who cares? Who cares? Exactly. More than I make. Yeah. I was going to say, once you hit the Bs, it doesn't matter. It's not a more rational than, number. Yeah, more than I make. But... <laughs> Yeah, good complement of uh, antioxidants is always helpful. Um, you know, we know as a fact that free radicals, which are byproducts of uh, metabolism, uh, create uh, illnesses, cancer being number one. And they've always, you know, found it. And if you go and you look at <clears throat> vitamin D as cancer prevention on uh, Google Scholar, it's nearly 2 million articles. Wow. Okay. Which just mind boggling. Vitamin D is an anti-cancer. And then you go and you look at vitamin D as treatment for cancer. In Google Scholar, it's 2.4 million articles. You know? So why is it so looked at as such a foo-foo answer to things when it's quite literally a cancer treatment? Uh, because the only way you can say it's cancer treatment is if it comes from the government and comes from the uh, cancer.gov. Otherwise, it's illegal for any healthcare provider to promote something that isn't approved by them as a cancer prevention. I'm not recommending it as cancer prevention. I'm just telling you that at Google Scholar, there are over 2 million articles right. that talking about prevention and treatment. Well, we yeah. understand vitamin D in the body is it's it, most people during COVID. We found that out how many people are in the ICU 
who had severe deficiencies in, in vitamin D. Vitamin D is overlooked on a, such a significant level, especially right. if you live in the Pacific Northwest, if you live where I live in those areas where it rains a lot right. and there's yeah. not a lot of sun. You have to supplement it. We supplement our sun with it. We supplement ourselves with it. I just had my blood work done yesterday. My husband is rapidly texting me results as we're doing this show. And right. I- you know, these, these levels matter. They make such a significant difference. And I cannot stress, and I've said this time and time again on every episode on anybody shows I've ever been on, go get your blood work done. It's not that difficult, right. but for Americans, it seems like it's different. So can you advise people on how to even take that step? Because I don't know how the United States system works in terms of getting blood work done for us. I call up the family doctor. I say, I want to do this. She goes, we don't do those tests in Canada. I say too bad. You're doing it anyway. Then we pay out of pocket and we get it done. Well, um, since 2015, I believe we've trained uh, about a dozen healthcare providers in Canada and gave them access to our laboratory in Florida so that they can uh, get a kit from, uh, from Florida, draw their patient and send it overnight to Florida to get the laboratory work done. Uh, we in the past have had Canadians come down into one of the Northern states mm -hmm. and they walk into one of our draw centers. We've got about 4,500 uh, draw centers that we interact with to get their blood drawn and then we send it, it's sent to the lab and we get the results. And based on the, those results, we get it done. And you're absolutely correct that in Canada, there are two or three of our panel tests that they don't even do mm -hmm. in Canada. And I'm going, why? <laughs> why? I mean, there's one called binding protein three, IGF binding protein three. It's uh, generated by growth hormone stimulating the liver. And it's an anti-cancer product. BP3 and BP4 are anti-cancer. So, you know, these are important things to know. So I can say, okay, your level is low. We need to increase it. And you don't have to give growth hormone to increase it. There are other things you can use to increase it. Vitamin A and quercetin and estradiol in a female can increase the binding protein three uh, to increase the levels. So, you know, on my website, uh, there's a listing of Canadian uh, participants who can arrange to have it done. We've got in Whistler, we've got a couple in Vancouver, we've got a couple of docs in Washington, uh, we've got in Toronto, uh, two or three uh, people in Toronto uh, that have gone through our class. You know, Gary was one of our, I mean, Greg was one of them mm -hmm. who came to the class in San Diego in May of 2015. So laboratory testing is important. It's how it's interpreted that's so very, very important. And you know, my background before medicine was computer electronics. And so I spent the last eight years writing a software package to help the docs who get trained by us to immediately be able to work at the level that I've attained over the past 29 years in May so that they can get the interpretive uh, interpretation of the labs so labs that you're uh, getting on your husband, you know, you can send to me and I can put into the program and send you the readout, the printout. Mm. And it looks at medication he's on, supplements, testosterone, hormones, everything, and integrates it into an, a report, whether or not you take enough, not enough, too much, whatever. So it, it helps significantly. 
So you're, uh, the people in Canada can go to the website and uh, look for one of the docs there. There are MDs and NDs yeah, the, on the uh, site. The, the majority of our listeners are definitely American. So where, okay. yeah. So, you know, in terms of, uh, of your products. So, like I said, I have used brain rescue. Um, I Brady and I used it before we were even diagnosed. We knew that there was, I had chronic migraines and light sensitivity and gut issues. And he, he didn't quite have symptoms. He was not symptomatic yet, but I had been symptomatic for quite some time. And mm -hmm. we utilized those and my God, before we even knew what was going on, the difference from when I took it to when I would run out of it and had to wait a couple of days, the amount of pain, because you felt the inflammation build. You didn't like, I don't think people understand that there's certain things you're not supposed to be feeling. You're not right. supposed to have chronic light sensitivity, gut issues, dysautonomia and POTS, chronic migraines, sleep issues. These are not normal things. And if you're feeling those, you need to go see someone. These are not standard behavior, how your body should be functioning. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the way that the Brain Rescue 3 works is it has three stages in it. And one of them is the anti-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. So it's called Brain Care 2, which has in it the, the quercetin, the uh, EPA, e, uh, DHA, excuse me, DHA, which is one of the omegas, which stimulates protectin and resolvin, which are important uh, protective chemicals of the brain. <clears throat> it drops the inflammatory cascade. So the migraines and the light sensitivity are all inflammatory. The receptor that deals with the uh, stimuli that creates what we call noxious stimuli pain is reduced. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's the key to this brain care too. Then there's one that feeds the mitochondria, the energy producing power plants of the body. And if you feed them, they can help fix things. If you don't have, it's like you walk in the house, you flip the light switch on and it doesn't go on because you don't have any electricity. You're right. Now we're going to give you, you know, a Tesla battery or someone's battery and hook it up to your house and you walk in and everybody else is black and you flip the switch and you've got light, mm -hmm. you know, and it's about a a giving, optimizing your functionality is really what it's about. And that's that crystal clarity, you know, crystal clarity. I have a 93-year-old Korean veteran who was, according to his son, who's a founder of one of our military groups called Gray Team, his father, Ed, uh, was developing dementia. And I sent him the products. And he said, within a month or two, his dementia had reversed. He's in the, he sent me videos of his father in the gym working out three hours a week, 93 years of age. And I said, I got to talk to your, your dad. He wasn't a patient. We didn't do any labs. Okay. So I talked to him, phenomenal gentleman, clear talking, not someone with dementia. And the son said, yeah, he had dementia. It's gone. So we've got people with um, Alzheimer's where it's reversed, Parkinson's reversed, um, multiple sclerosis, three uh, veterans with MS wow. from inflammation wow. induced by a lot of protection from travel. Mm. So it works because... very, very well. And then, you know, there's uh, CME, Clear Mind and Energy, which uh, 
is uh, something that just gives you a little bit heightened brain boost without using caffeine uh, and it uses guarana to be uh, open. It uses guarana, which is a, a natural uh, form of product that they call like caffeine, but it's uh, it has to be activated in the system. See, that's fantastic. And the reason I bring it up is number one, I, I've given, I've actually given your products before to uh, some RCMP members, ERT members who are, you know, complaining to me about chronic migraines and, and, you know, they work inside ranges and they're like, yeah, I just don't know what's going on. I said, I'll tell you, I, I'm not a doctor and I can tell you exactly what's going on. You know, when you have to learn on your own, when you have to heal yourself, that's when you start finding the outliers and the other people that are doing things that are not done by a traditional GP who stopped learning when they left school. When something serious happens and no one's giving you answers, that's when you start learning for yourself really quickly and finding the resources. So we, right. we, we provided him with some of it and he's had a massive difference. The other thing that I use, um, I'd be curious, curious to know your thoughts on this because bringing up the reversal of Parkinson's dementia and Alzheimer's, I work with a company called HVMN. Have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't. Okay. So HVMN has a ketone drink. This guy okay. Here. So they did a, uh, they did a contract with DARPA. And they yep. work with the, yeah, the 10th mouth. Anyway, I've been- I know using... about the science. Yes. So yeah. the science behind this stuff is wild. So there was uh, a Canadian, uh, Canadian doctor, the, some of the research, they've actually been able to reverse Alzheimer's using ketones as well, because it's the fuel for the brain. For me, when I, because I do, I do have some regression in some of the issues, uh, particularly with POTS and the vestibular system, which is a much harder thing I'm finding to correct rather than the chemical imbalance, just the constant eye work with saccades and pursuits and making sure that screen time is limited and all of the things. But when I'm, when I do start to struggle, I take ketones, I take a ketone shot. It doesn't give me the caffeine. It doesn't give me anything else, but it stops all of it yeah. right away. Brain nutrient, mm -hmm. brain nutrient. You know, when um, in POTS, I'll send you the, um, the video I did on uh, POTS and dysautonomia, okay? okay, which is an inflammatory process because it influences the hypothalamus, which generates the disruption in the um, epinephrine, norepinephrine. Um, when the brain is under inflammation, under inflammatory attack, it's not getting the nutrition that it needs. Right. And you know that glucose isn't necessarily the, it's the number one fuel for the brain, right. but it isn't necessarily at this moment, the best thing to put into the brain. So ketones as a, as an alternative source or fuel might be what helps you uh, to get the resolution in the inflammatory process and which you feel in resolution or improvement in either POTS or your photosensitivity or whatever it might be. And we know that in our patient population, when they become low blood sugar, hypoglycemic, they get worse. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's what I'm actually, I just took my monitor off yesterday because I'm going okay. back down to do some more treatment. And it's crazy. For first week, everything was totally fine. All last week, I lived at like 2.2, 2.3, 2.9. I was so hypoglycemic even eating right, doing everything accurately. The only thing that we could point to was maybe heightened cortisol. Well, that should bring your blood sugar up. Well, it's actually bringing it down. So it's like looking at outside stressors and all of these other things. Well, I don't feel stressed, but my nervous system, I'm going to do something next week, okay. is reacting in a way 
that I don't necessarily am thinking about, but my body is feeling it. Okay. When you have your blood tested, uh, do you get insulin levels? Yeah. So my, uh, uh, is it H1? What's it? Uh, Just H1? insulin. Uh, ins I don't know if it's insulin in particular. I get my... Uh, Hemoglobin A1C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't. Get your insulin done. And the reason, And the reason is we've reversed 28 cases of type 2 insulin-resistant diabetes with... Yeah. And we have the literature on it. We've had our endocrinologists look at it. They don't believe it, but there's... How can you refute the pre and post? Right. The pre and post labs. Mm -hmm. So... The issue might be you need chromium, a chromium. product a product that is called chromate. I'll send you the literature on it. Yep. Chromium is, um, without getting technical, chromium helps to regulate how insulin allows a cell to bring sugar into it. Okay. Now, there's, there's a relative, you know, patients with diabetes, have usually elevated blood sugar level, mm -hmm. but they respond as though they are hypoglycemic, low blood sugar, but it's intracellular. So it's either in the circulation, you've got excess, and in the cell, you don't have any, which is what happens in diabetics. So yeah, you can't get the sugar into the cell. Right. You've got tons of sugar, but you can't get it into the cell. That's exactly so what's happening because I'm eating and I'm doing all this and I'm running and it's like, sugar low. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, what happens is uh, chromium regulates something they call a gluc 4 receptor, G-L-U-T-4 receptor, which comes to the surface of a cell, opening up the cell so sugar can be taken in. Two other hormones are extremely important for that mechanism. DHT, which is dihydrotestosterone off of testosterone and yep. DHEA, yep. which comes from pregnenolone. So if you're pregnenolone deficient, you can't get the DHEA. Okay. That's interesting. So uh, chromium, it works to help uh, in type two insulin resistance. Also, if you're having those symptoms, you're not getting sugar in the cell because it's the lack of sugar in the cell that leads to your hypoglycemia. Okay. So and things like ketones, you know, hydroxybutyrate and so forth and so on, these these can can help you, but they won't answer what's going on. No, they're not solving the problem. And I knew that. It was more of we were gathering data for uh for next month when I when I go back down. Because ultimately I'm in a country where a lot of people do not understand traumatic brain injury, inflammation, and you can only do so much with family doctors, especially after COVID Canadian physicians have taken either a very uh, forward approach into preventative medicine and seeing how, hey, we really need to get our society on track, or we're seeing others who are just sitting back and taking the financial uh, improvement from the government and seeing less patients and doing less work. Unfortunately, I'm kind of dealing with that. So my point in that is we wait till I go to the America to see a lot of the doctors who have been willing to help us and, and, and have the education to do so, that being you included. And knowing that you're only ever a call away is something that uh, I do not take for granted and I'm very appreciative for. And your willingness to have these types of conversations and be very honest about the realities of what's going on in our world, how it's affecting our bodies and the outcome of individuals with such brain trauma and, and small small issues that 
really can turn into large issues if we don't start paying attention from a preventative management standpoint. If people wanted to utilize your services, get Millennium and, and um, Brain Rescue, because I, I cannot rec recommend it enough. Even before I did treatment, Brady and I used it. And like I said, it made such an impact on our life. Um, and where can they find other information about, uh, obviously your daughters seem like they are incredible human beings to be uh, utilized as tools as well. Mm, I don't mind calling them tools, but anyway. They are, they're great <laughs> tools in the toolbox, you know, because yeah. every doctor is a tool. Every every uh, every person you see can either be, uh, I love, Joe says this, and I love this so much. You can build a house with a tool or you can hit yourself in the dick with it. Either way, it's still a tool. It's how you choose to use the people at your disposal. Absolutely. So yes, they are having a, a positive effect in each of their realms. So the uh, a place to start would be at our primary educational website, okay. which is tbihelpnow.org. And at the site, there's a division area called The Science, which has articles, which has some of the reports that we've written from our patient population. It's raw data. I don't statistically crunch anything because that's how you get to confabulate, to, to mm -hmm. misrepresent. Uh, we've got our marine study there in 2020. We, I was invited to uh, Camp Pendleton to speak to a small group, the CO and the surgeon, and we did a study with them on Brain Rescue 3. 65% of them were 50 to 100% better in 90 days. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And that's what set us up for this protocol, which you can get there called the Phase 2 protocol, which will tell you exactly how to um, get onto one of our uh, programs. Now, we've got about 1,200 active patients in the practice between my daughter and I, but we have 8,100 people who are using the products every month, okay? And we're getting lots of testimonials back of how well they're doing. So the um, protocol two, the phase two protocol, has for males and females, very clearly enumerates the steps that need to be taken, very simple. And what we recommend is that you try it for 90 days. It, if at the end of 90 days, you notice an improvement. We have people in 24 hours, they call us or contact us, that they're feeling better. I don't know how long it took you. Oh, not even a week. Okay. And there are people where it's taken longer. Mm -hmm. um, but the improvement is there. And if you get at least a 50% or better improvement, stay on course. If not, something else needs to be looked at. And that's when we recommend uh, having the biomarker panel done. And what we're doing now, I'm, I'm going to Miami. I'll be lecturing for a full day on our science and uh, about laboratory science and also about the TBI program. And we're looking for uh, more physicians to come on board. Uh, let me rephrase this. More healthcare providers ah. to come on board. We've got Navy nurses. We've got nutritionists we've, who are linked with MDs to help do it. They learn the technology. They get the doctor to, involve, to be involved. Physician assistants, doctors of osteopathy, MDs. We've got pain specialists. We've got cardiac surgeons. We've got across the entire spectrum who have seen, you know, the movie Quiet Explosion mm -hmm. may end up calling 
and uh, getting more information. And I send out information because I'm recruiting and they're independent. There's no finance that they have to pay us. We need to have more doctors so that we can be proactive at dealing with TBI and everything that's uh, related to it, as opposed to being um, reactive. And right. one of the things that really upsets me is that so many of our vets go in to get assessed. They don't get the laboratory testing they need. They get looked at and says, oh, you got PTSD. Take the happy pills and call me in a month. You know, yeah. and that's that's it. In our population, we've only lost one individual. And that was someone who went on to the protocol and didn't think it was doing anything for them. They stopped it and subsequently yeah. took their own life. And, you know, but uh, looking at the benefits of their treatment, we only lost one person, a 76-year-old from COVID. Uh, we've had people report that they had uh, COVID for 16 hours. I had one vet, uh, Army vet, 16 hours. I said, What's, how can you have it for 16 hours? <laughs> And he said he tested in the morning. Everybody in his family got it. He yep. tested in the morning. He was positive. And by the time he went to bed at night, he felt fine. <laughs> okay. He had been on our program for a while. You know, so. <clears throat> there's, anyway. ways, there's ways. There's to ways to fix everything. We just yeah. have to be our own advocates. And that's right. where we're at in this world. And I think that's. I think that's fantastic. You're so willing to have conversations with people who are not doctors to help others just see that there is a proactive way out of this and a way that you can oh, teach yourself that hopefully this next generation doesn't have to go down this road where PTSD and TBIs are a, a constant conversation where 44 people a day are not losing their lives to things that are preventable and, and something we can, we can really solve if we just step out of our own way and had more doctors, uh, physicians Absolutely. and individuals that are willing to think like you. So how, how uh, is it that you were able to comfortably say there are 44 suicides per day when the narrative is 22 and it's been knocked down to 16.7 by the DOD. Not the research that I'm reading. The okay. research that I was reading stated that it has actually gone up over the past two years. Okay. Well, uh, in one of the classes, I had a <clears throat> made the statement there were 22 per day committing mm -hmm. suicide. Someone, a woman in the back, raises her hand, stands up, to, introduces herself as a military psychiatrist. Oh, and she says, not to correct you, but more accurately, it's 44 a day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I'll, I'll, that's the thing is uh, if somebody presents uh, other evidence to show me otherwise, then I'll have that conversation. And I, I'm not a person who's set in my ways. If you present right. evidence, then I can read it and understand I'm not an idiot. And I also don't plant myself in something and say, I'm married to this. And this is what I believe and think, right. but you can't. <laughs> Statistically, um, and let's let's be completely honest about this. There are a lot of times where a service member, first responder, or otherwise have taken their life, and it has been deemed not a suicide in order for people to be able to get their benefits and the family protected. And so, that is just the numbers we know. That's Understood. just the numbers that we are, you know, that we are actually told uh, from an honest standpoint. Now, I know last week alone there was two Navy SEALs. Um, Mike Day being one of them. And uh, I don't know the other gentleman myself, but it's constant, it's frequent. And uh, I can, let me find out uh, which paper I read that from, but I will send it to you. Uh, I'll send it to you on Instagram, but it is, uh, as far as I've been told, it's gone up and uh, it's uh, more of an average now of 44 a day. 
Okay. The last paper I got from the DOD was 16.7. Okay. Down from 22. Okay. Yeah. I think it was last year. So yeah. I can find that one. Perfect. I'll send it. I'll send it over. You send me yours and we can, we can, <laughs> we we can, can compare notes. I like it. I love it. Today has been so fantastic. I'm so glad that we could get it done. The amount of useful tools and information that are in this is going to blow people's minds, but also just the resources you provided where we're going to put in the show notes, people could find you and actually start healing themselves in the way that they deserved to be healed in the first place. So thanks for your time today. I'm looking forward to having you back on and I'm looking forward to have your daughters on at some time because they have got tons of uh, knowledge that needs to be spread as well. So thank you so much. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You stick with me. Everyone else, we'll see you next week.